Hello, and welcome to She Dynasty. I'm Valerie Moisel, and these are the women who rule. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to She Dynasty. Um, if you don't already, I would really appreciate if you could like and subscribe to the She Dynasty podcast. It's on every major platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at she underscore dynasty and uh, hope to have your support. I'm super excited to welcome Lindsay Kaplan, the co-founder at Chief. And Chief is a private network designed specifically for women leaders. So anyone from a VP level all the way through the C-suite. And the idea is to cross-pollinate power across industries and affect change from the top down. All right. So hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So, you know, She Dynasty is all about telling people about your journey of how you got to where you are today. So I definitely want to talk about Chief and all of the exciting things um, that you are doing. However, I am going to you know, ask you some questions about your journey to get there because people who are listening often want to learn from people who um, you know, have gotten to places that they'd like to be. So first of all, tell us a little bit in your own words about Chief and how it came to be. Sure. Well, Chief came from a very personal place. My co-founder and I both were working at startups, um, both in leadership positions. So I had started as vice president in name only. Uh, I was the first employee at my startup. Um, and a few years in, as the startup uh, expanded and grew, so did my purview. So actually became a, a real vice president for the first time in my career, um, managing a 20-person team, a big budget, um, a lot of, of senior leadership questions. And I realized at this inflection point in my career that I needed support more than ever. Um, my executive coach was great, but I had had her for a short period of time and kind of felt a little stranded. Um, and it was the same time that I was mentoring women and, and giving other people advice and feeling like I had nothing left for me. Um, and my co-founder had a serious, uh, a similar experience at her startup as, as a COO for the first time. And so together we realized there needs to be a special network for women in particular in these executive roles to come together, to support one another, to give each other great advice. Um, and that's really the inception of Chief. And so uh, we launched um, early 2019 with just 200 members. Wow. And today we are about 9,000 members across the country. Gosh, that's insane. And were you guys friends or colleagues or um, how did you get me? We actually met at a really bad women business networking event. It was one of those dinners where the, the wine was not chilled properly and people were kind of poking at cheese. Um, and we uh, ran into each other at Coat Check and kind of rolled our eyes at one another, like this knowing look of like, this event was not great, uh, but you seem nice. Stayed in touch um, and, and very much vowed that Chief had none of the, that feeling of like the stale, uh, awkward conversations that we could create something that was different and special and felt real and less, you know, transactionally changing business cards and, and never seeing somebody again. 
I love that. You know, it's interesting. It seems like um, with when it comes to networking, you know, women obviously have to try a little harder, right? Where it seems to come more naturally for men. They don't have to do these like, I mean, obviously there are events, but there's just something very contrived sometimes about a lot of those events that come, you know, that come to play. And I think um, what you said, I've been to a few of them and I've always just been like, Ugh, this is not for me. So, you know, this obviously sounds like a, a perfect, perfect solution for that. Yeah. Well, I think the intention is always incredible, right? Bringing great women together and meeting one another. I think the difference is knowing that this is happening within the the constraints of the event, right? Like you're going there. We all know why we're here. We're all trying to meet somebody. Um, And I do think traditionally businessmen have just looser ways and connections of meeting one another, whether, you know, it's the cigar bar or golf, um, when the majority of people have a shared interest, it's easier not to necessarily set up a unique time to go out and meet everybody. And so chief tries to accomplish this, uh, you know, ability for, for women to be surrounded by other women, to not to feel like the only in the room and to really allow for, um, great connections that are built on trust and built on support and knowing that you're with other people who get it. So I don't know if you know this, but you know, my real job is that I'm a CEO of an advertising agency. So this will be a really great testament to kind of where I end up because I have for a while now been heavily considering um, joining chief um, and kind of weighing that out with an executive coach. And so for, you know, those listening who are kind of trying to understand the differences between one or the other, you know, obviously there's cost implications that are different for both, but tell us, you know, about the differences between the two. Sure. So I think executive coaching is fantastic, especially if you can make that investment. Um, I had, and I still have the same executive coach that I had at that startup. Shout out to Jeannie Coomber. She is incredible. She has guided me through so much of uh, my journey as an executive. Um, That being said, an executive coach is very much, uh, it's a a one-to-one experience. You come in, you share what's happening. Uh, there's no outsider information and it's, it's a bit, um, you know, the, the door is closed. Chief is very much, uh, uh, the core product that we offer is called a core group. Um, and what we do is we put, uh, 10 other members with you, um, in this group and we curate based off of career stage. And so, if you've been an executive for a few decades, we find other women who are at, again, who have a similar um, trajectory, meaning other women who are probably not in advertising and marketing like you are, but mm-hmm. a CFO, somebody that is in supply chain. Um, we bring in all of these different minds to kind of create a board of directors for you, for everybody in the room, so that mm-hmm. you meet once a month for two hours. We do have an executive coach in the room that facilitates the conversation and that teaches really the group to coach one another. And so instead of getting this one-to-one, you are actually being held accountable by 10 other people who are there for you, who are supporting you and who get it in a way that an executive coach, typically they're not an executive anymore. They're coaching. Yeah, And so they may not, maybe they had gone through those problems. They had gone through that experience years ago, but to share your problems and to go through these really deep, dense issues with people who are in the weeds and who can understand and bring that different perspective, it helps hold up a mirror to your problems. 
I think a lot about, um, I don't know if you ever went to that store Lomans. Mm -hmm. They used to have this like group dressing room where like you'd come out from the dressing room and there was like, it was the whole thing was open and there was just like a wall of mirrors and you put on some dress and feel awkward. And hopefully if you were in the right low bins, everybody would be like, you look great in that dress. Do you need another size? And like, that's really the the difference. It's that you have other people championing you. Um, We also have um, programming. So we bring in incredible speakers um, uh, as well as workshops. So we have We have workshop leaders who are business school professors, economists, talking about the cutting edge of what you need to know now. So chances are, if you're an executive, you need to figure out what you're doing in the metaverse. Um, Should you be investing in NFTs? Um, What's happening with the supply chain and how that's going to affect your your Q1 sales? All of that, as well as incredible minds like we had Stacey Abrams, Issa Rae, um, Ken Chenault. So bringing in these amazing, inspiring uh, figures. And then finally, all of Chief is online. So we have an app. The community is incredible. There are thousands of people who can answer your questions, who can uh, bond with you, whether you're looking for a 50 plus group, if you're looking for people who are in your local area to meet up with or other marketers, whatever you're looking for, there is a group of people on Chief that you can connect with. Um, and so it's it's really different than coaching, but yeah. um, we offer a lot and we know that you know, our chief members are super busy. So people kind of pick and choose what works best for them um, when they need it. Well, you, you bring up something that I think is like incredibly important, something that's helped me in my career. And that is the idea of diverse perspectives. And so often people think, well, you know, let me get someone who's, you know, in my industry to kind of help guide me. And I have to tell you the people who I have learned the most from, I mean, obviously I learned from people in my industry too, but to hear perspectives from people that have different roles and in our different industries, because they look at problems differently and they bring perspectives, um, that are so different. And I can't express like the value that that's had for me in my career. So I love, I love, the power of that. And obviously that's a huge difference from having just one perspective of an executive coach, but to your point, a different role. Exactly. When I was coming up in startup marketing, I knew all the other startup marketers, right? Like I knew who they are. I know who to turn to in New York. What I really needed was the perspective of people who were deep in ops, who were deep in finance areas that, you know, not my skill set, not my area of expertise, but as okay. an executive, their thoughts, opinions, perspective matter so much in my decision making. So before we get into um, more of that, because I'm going to go back to talking about Chief, um, I want to hear a little bit about um, your beginnings. Um, so tell me where you were born. And, you know, most importantly, I want to know, like, when you were younger, what what did you, what was your dream job? What did you want to do? Ah, great question. So um, I was born and raised in upstate New York. Um was terrified of New York City, never thought that I would end up here, never thought that I would be in business. Um, I have always been a a creative, weird kid. So uh, whether that was painting or writing or music, um, thought that I would grow up and be a writer. Uh, Not quite ended up um, taking my first job out of college in publishing, thought, you know, that's what you do if you're a writer, but realized that um, I like to talk to people a lot. Um, And I... I fell in love with comms, with marketing, with kind of using writing as a way of connecting people, uh, connecting ideas. And so uh, that that led me into an interesting journey in my early years in New York. Um, 
And maybe one day I will write that novel, but uh, I don't, I don't know if I have one in me right now. So did you consider yourself a creative person when you were younger? I did. Yeah. I love, you know, I love hearing that just because I, I love to see patterns on She Dynasty with so many of the women that I interview and so many women, you know, start young in their careers, creatives, and never picture themselves as, you know, the CEO or co-founder, you know, of a company as successful as yours. And so I think it's a really important message for people to hear that, you know, the creative minds can, you know, also be very powerful business minds as well. So, you know, I think that's a really, really important story. Well, and, and I think we don't think a lot about the uh, there that most successful business people, so many of them either were the creator or had a great creative partner. Right. And so if you look at some of, you know, if you look at Steve Jobs, like Steve Jobs was known as, as a marketing creative, right? right? Like this is somebody who wasn't an operator. This is somebody who came up fascinated with the way that we tell stories and messaging and the way that uh, people perceive products. And so- um, opening the aperture of what we think about when we think about a creative person is really important. Um, and I also think pairing creativity with uh, a competitive drive is very interesting. I've always been competitive. I I like to win. I like to beat people, um, not beat them up, but I, I don't know. I have like this grit in me that I have to succeed. Um, it's probably the ADHD in me that like finds I can get things done when I'm feeling competitive about it. And so that combination in business is really fascinating. And I love finding other creatives who have a similar drive. I love that. And does your, your co-founder and yourself, do you guys have um, different strengths and weaknesses? How do you guys complement each other? Yes. So Carolyn and I have a shared value system. Um, we, we both very much um, are, are cut from the same cloth our brains work very differently. So we like to say that she is a bento box. She likes things organized. She loves structure. She craves a timeline. Um, and if she's that bento box, then I am like a bowl of sangria, like all the melding ingredients. Um, I love brainstorming. I don't love a timeline. I do well in a word document, less so in Excel. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's it's been the basis of a really strong partnership because what we find is we often agree, but we get to where we're going in a very different way, which is very validating. I love the analogy of how you explain each other. I think I'm very similar to you. Um, okay, so I'm going to jump back to a little bit of your journey. Um, so tell me, um, what did you do right after college? Well, I graduated with a degree in English and creative writing. So I thought the natural step for me was publishing. Mm -hmm. So my first job out of school was um, an assistant at Oxford University Press. Very fancy. Wow. Um, wanted to be an editorial. And I met the director of publicity who mm -hmm. sat me down and within five minutes was like, you talk way too much. Like you will <laughs> not be happy in editorial. It's like, kid, if you want to try it, do it for a few weeks. But like, there's my office. Come knock when you're ready to talk about marketing. And he was right. I didn't even take that job in editorial. I was like, uh, that looks boring. Um, and so uh, formative years spent uh, pitching the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary. Um, got a little got a little bored. Uh, it's not that exciting of a place, although surrounded by smart people, um, right. and then went into magazines. Wow. Awesome. And then you eventually ended up at Casper, right? In the very beginning. 
I did. So post magazine world, uh, did a stint in advertising and then really fell in love with social media and realized it wasn't actually the social media I loved. It was the companies behind social. So worked at a few different startups, bringing them mostly to market early stage, got super burned out because early stage startups are grueling and decided I was done. I was either going to go write a novel or get an MBA, one or the other. Um, and I, I got a note on LinkedIn from uh, the CEO of a mattress company. And I debated, do I reply to this guy? I don't know what this is. And sure enough, um, that became the CEO of Casper. And so I said, all right, one more startup. Uh, it wasn't even named Casper. It was like unnamed mattress company. Um, took that role as uh, I'm using air quotes, VP of brand and communications, uh, joined them pre-launch and it was an incredible ride. I was there for over four years. We'll talk about, you know, one of the brands that is really, you know, kind of reinvented, reinvigorated an industry, right? Like taking an old tired business model and just kind of flipped it on its head. Um, you know, Casper's done an incredible job at that. So I, I assume that you were kind of a part of that whole, that whole thing, right? <laughs> you know, it was so much fun because that was the freedom of right. working and doing marketing advertising at Casper, which is mattresses, even the word mattress, ugh, you know, even telling people I'm, I'm working at a mattress company. People were like, oh, like, oh, no, it wants to be friends with the girl. You know, and they're like, what do you do? What do you do? I work at a mattress company. Like nobody wants to continue that conversation at, at night. Um, but there was so much freedom there as a creative mm -hmm. to think through sleep and the story of sleep and know that I, you know, in my knowledge, there was no brand that really owned in a creative, interesting way, this category. And so forget the word mattress. I was thinking about bedtime stories and breakfast in bed and how just weird it is that you spend all of this time in your bed and and, you know, as Americans, we're so hyperproductive. And yet this is one of the most special, intimate, most perfect times of your day that, you know, we could celebrate and fall in love with. Right. And so, um, you know, as a, as a writer, as a storyteller, absolutely loved all of the creative projects we worked on there. I love it. And so you very quickly, you kind of found yourself in a, in a high level position at a successful company, which was awesome because you kind of you know, took the risk with them and grew with them and got there really fast. And so it's, it's there that you were talking about, you know, where you became a mentor, where you really didn't have any mentors to yourself. And so, you know, I think that's a real, that's a real problem that a lot of uh, women face is, you know, kind of knowing who to talk to. So obviously chief is fill, filling a huge, huge void there, as I understand. So how did, how did this role lead to chief was chief next after that? Yeah. So, um, again, was in that role feeling, feeling like I didn't know what was next. Casper was getting really big. I loved startups. I had worked at all these small startups. Casper was now 500 people wow. and candidly felt a little out of my element. Felt wow. like I had launched some incredible, fun, weird, creative campaigns, um, hired some amazing people, learned a lot and wasn't sure what my next step was going to be. Um, and that's when my co-founder, Carolyn, after we had had that meet cute at the coat check, sent me an email and said, you know, kind of like, do you remember me? And I have a startup idea. would love to talk to you about it. Wow. And we clicked pretty instantly. 
Um, and, and again, the partnership was so wonderful from day one because she is a former COO. She is such an operator. And, and again, I'm, I'm brand, I'm creative. I'm, you know, why do people love this and how do we make them love it more and tell their friends? And I always joke that this is a terrible joke. This is really not fair to me or her. But I do say if chief was my idea, I would be sitting at a bar with like a stack of cocktail napkins, drawing it out still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never would have done it. And if Carolyn had done chief without me, it would be running. There wouldn't be a lot of members <laughs> who would join. Right. Um, uh, and it really, to me, it really illustrates the power of an incredible partnership of two people who, again, have shared values, but have that diversity and perspective. I see a lot of friends who either work at the same company and then start a startup. Well, great. Now you have all the knowledge of one company right. or people who went to business school together. So you see two, you know, business school graduates starting something. You took the same classes. Right. What, wanna- what is that? So I, I love that that we came together because I think the diversity of our perspectives really illustrate what Chief does best. Right. And I want to stop for a second and acknowledge, you know, another kind of pattern that I see. So here you were at Casper, you had this great job, successful company, and you decided to kind of risk it and, you know, kind of leave and start your own thing. That takes a very, very special kind of um, person and you know, it's, it's brave. Talk a little bit about that decision. Thank you. Um, I don't know if I'm brave, but I do think I am gutsy and I think that's different. Um, we did have, and I, I really want to be transparent about this because it's, it's, very hard to leave your job. I am the breadwinner in my family. At the time I had a baby at home and leaving Casper meant leaving a very supportive, cushy, um, well-paid job. That was great for my family. And we did have pre-seed venture funding that allowed me to take a salary and make sure that I wasn't um, digging into my savings. And I love being transparent about this because a lot of people, you know, it's hard to make that leap without the cushion. And so for me, that cushion was pre-seed money, but um, I don't come from family money. I um, have worked every day since that job at Oxford University Press to um, build a a life for my family. And so um, there was definite nerves there. There was definitely um, a leap going from something that was working to something that could crash and burn. But having that pre-seed money gave me the confidence to do it financially. Um, And I think also just my trust in my co-founder. I really... Again, I kind of, I joke about like, I don't know if I wouldn't be able to do this without her. Um, uh, She has that business acumen. She has the tenacity. And I think together, I really trusted maybe naively in in our ability to make something happen. I so appreciate the transparency. Um, However, it's still brave. You know, you're still taking something that is a sure thing, something that's solid and cushy to your point, and you're taking risks. And you know, I just, it's, it's hard to explain. And maybe cause you're one and I'm one, like I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And it's, it's so interesting. Cause you know, oftentimes on she dynasty, I will interview, um, women who are C-suite executives, you know, that go through more corporate, like down a corporate path. And it's a very, very, very different path. It's all about having solid footing and kind of, you know, going up that ladder and getting to a certain place where, 
um, you know, part of what I think makes a true entrepreneur an entrepreneur is the, the, you know, the kind of drive and to want to take risks, right? Because that's kind of what fills your soul. And so I promise you that probably half the people listening right now um, are probably like, yes, that's me. And the other half are like, oh, no, no, that's not me. But, you know. Well, I respect both because I think that grit and tenacity, I mean, sometimes it's luck, right? Like, I think we were right place, right time with Chief. Um, I think we really struck a chord with, with women. And again, we launched in 2019 who maybe what was out there wasn't serving them. Um, and again, the stress that we have put on our executive women to mentor, to tour the circuit, to speak out, to lean in, all of that, I think has hit a boiling point. So I do think some of it was timing, some of it was luck. And some of it was just like, again, I'm so competitive that I was like, this better work. <laughs> I'm determined to make this work. All right. Competitive against yourself. That's the best. Yes. I love that. All right. So I want to talk about, um, you know, everyone always thinks it's so glamorous to be, you know, CEO of a company or a co-founder of a company that's doing well. And as you and I both know, it's not always easy. Um, so I want to, I want you to, you know, think about what's a snag or, you know, something that you had to overcome, you know, something that was really a a teachable moment that you could share with us. Hmm. Yeah, I think the most teachable moment for me was going from the startup doer to a startup leader. Um, I mentioned that I really loved working at early stage startups. You get to wear a ton of hats, you get to do everything. And there is a very big transition from doer to leader, to trusting people, to letting go, to understanding how to um, not just manage or direct, but truly lead and make people feel great and inspired and kind of set them down the right path. And that was a struggle for me early at Chief. It continues to be a struggle that um, that I have to remind myself that I've hired incredible, talented, amazing people who are better at all of their jobs than I am. Um, and I think that is, it's natural for people who are creative, who loved what they were doing, who were hands-on. And so the struggle of, of being the, the one who gets to do it to the one who who's assigning it and championing it. Um, but when you, when you do let go, when I have let go, when I have let people soar, oh, the results are so much better than when I'm in the weeds with them. I feel like this is a personal therapy session for me. Cause I just recently last year, um, you know, uh, I bought out my business partner of 24 years and I was the executive creative director and I just became the CEO. And so I'm struggling with exactly what you're talking about right now, which is that idea of letting go. It's hard. It's, it's really, very hard. It's very hard. But to your point, you know, it's about trusting the people that you've put in place and, you know, just, uh, having some, some faith that's going to happen, but it sounds like it's working out, but I think I'm sure it's something you struggle with every day, especially when you've been the one doing it for so long. So it's a very, very different mentality. And I think I needed to hear this from you today. So thank you. I mean, I need to hear it from myself today. (laughs) You know, listen, there's, it's easy to say that. I do think there are certain projects where I like to, I like to zoom out and give myself the, will this matter tomorrow? Will this matter in a month? Will this matter in a year? And there are business projects. There are things where I'm like, no, this will have major implications and it's okay. And it's great for me to dig in. There right. are other areas where it it's truly not worth, like the impact isn't there. Right. And so even though I could convince myself it's worth me digging in, it's really not. All so- I'm doing is, is bothering people, creating more work and driving my team crazy. 
So are you saying that you kind of pick and choose your battles? I, well, I wouldn't call them battles, <laughs> personal battles. Yes. Um, I don't know if I pick them and choose them. I think they should be choosing me. The Got ones it. that are really, really important that have long-term impact. Absolutely. Right. right. Okay. So, um, you said chief has been, uh, was established in 2019. Is that correct? We uh, raised seed in 2018 and launched in 2019. And already have 9,000 members, right? Yes. So at what moment did it feel like this was, you know, this is just an idea or a dream to like, okay, this is kind of a company. This is happening. This is working. What was that kind of spark moment for you? I think it was the first member who paid. Wow. So our original investors, it's so funny. My co-founder and I, I, I keep saying this, I'm really beating a dead horse. We're not fancy people. I'm not that very connected. And so when we were looking for our first cohort of members, you know, we just sent out cold emails. I went on LinkedIn and I was just perusing. I was like, this woman looks impressive. This woman <laughs> looks great. Wow, what a rock star. And would just send a cold email. And the first member that replied back and said, great, here's my credit card information, charge me, can't wait, was a, uh, a Fortune 50 C-suite. Wow. An incredibly powerful woman who is, you know, just, it was just such a weird moment of, oh my God, she, she's not even tell me more. She just paid? What? Did she get special treatment? No, I mean, it, it, because she was the first one, but then, you know, we were getting replies and yes, look, we sent a lot of emails. So, right. you know, you, you send out thousands of emails, some people are going to write back, but it was just such a moment of, wow, there is, this is clearly resonating somewhere, somehow. How um, and it felt real that minute. Yeah. How validating for someone to just give you your credit card. And give the, give you their credit card and just be like, okay, I'm in. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Congratulations. My co-founder looked at me and was like, should we raise the prices? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, okay. Um, I love that. So you mentioned that it's all online. However, there are physical locations. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm sure like every other business, um, the pandemic things have shifted and changed. So how important are those physical locations? Are they still in play? Are people using them? Are they coming back? Is it the future? Is it the past? Tell me about that. Yeah, it's all of that. Okay. <laughs> um, we have, so Chief is uh, across the country, but we do have three flagship locations in New York, Chicago, and LA. So uh -huh. Valerie, you should come by and check it out. Um, and these locations are for our members. They can bring a guest or two, they can host meetings. We have a lot of conference rooms and they're kind of set up like hotel lobbies. So they are designed for networking. They're designed for you to have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and meet with other members. We also have an incredible meetup tool on our app that allows our members to host meetups either online. So you can, again, our 50 plus group can do a monthly meetup where everybody gets on Zoom across the country or our, um, our newest members in Miami can meet up at a local restaurant and all have dinner. So I, when I say it's everything, we do have these locations all of our members can access um, the locations if they're not in those three cities, but we really want people connecting. And we know so many people aren't 
in the city anymore. So many of our members from when we launched in New York in 2019, they're not in New York anymore. And so we really wanted to get into this model where being a member of Chief meant you were a member of this community. You had your core group that you're meeting with online. You have access to all of these workshops and programming that you could do on your own time. Um, and if you are in these major travel uh, cities that you can go and, and get that amenity from Chief. So are people using the locations? Are there people there? They are. Yep. I was in the New York location on Monday. It was bustling. I love that. You know, the the, the one in Los Angeles is a few minutes from my house. So I'm definitely going to have to go check it out. Or I'm going to have to bring you when I'm in LA next. Oh, Good reason for me to get to LA. I would love that. I would love to check it out. So um, maybe this is a silly question. Are men allowed? Yeah, of course. So allowed to join or allowed to just come? How does that work? Well, that is a great question. So men are, um, I mean, Chief is designed for women, right. much in the way that office furniture is designed for men. And so we want to make sure we're inclusive. If we haven't actually had a man, we've had men apply, but once we've taken calls, nobody has actually uh, gone through, no man um, that has identified as man has, has gone through the entire process, absolutely invited as guests. Um, but our goal is to be inclusive and our um, vision is to change the face of leadership. And that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Got it. Okay. And so, um, you know, obviously a big emphasis, there's a big emphasis on diversity, equity, inclusion, so important. So talk to me about what, you know, Chief is doing in this space and, and what would you would like to see your business and other business do more of. Yeah, so intersectionality has been paramount to us since day one. Our first workshop ever back in 2019 was called Intersectional Feminism in the Office. Um, our goal is to make sure that the C-suite is reflective of the way that this country looks. And right. so um, only right now, 18% of people who are VP plus of women are women of color. And so our stated goal has always been to double that and have at least 36% of our members identify as a non-white person. Mm -hmm. um, we are at, I believe, 35.6%. So we're right there. I refuse to round up. Mm -hmm. um, but it's more than just the numbers. And our ourselves, our board is 40%. Um, BIPOC, our team, our senior leadership team is, is 50% women of color. Um, it matters. Right. Like I am a white, I am a, I'm a cis straight white woman. I completely understand that I do not um, have the same experience in the workplace as people who do not identify as white and want to recognize the role that not just diversity plays, but inclusion and belonging. And so we have launched, not only have we done a ton of programming about DEI in the workplace, but it's about operationalizing it. How do we make sure that members feel equipped to bring it back into their organizations? Mm -hmm. And then we had a moment of, well, why is the onus only on us? And therefore we, uh, we had our members invite plus ones and said, right. please invite people from your team who can be an ally or who need to learn this and man or woman bring them to these workshops because our goal is to create a ripple effect in our members' organizations and to truly create change. Um, but it, it starts with diversity, but again, it doesn't end there and it's embedded in everything we do internally, externally, how we show up, what we program and what we stand for. Got it. So important. I love to hear all that. 
So I'm going to change gears a little. Um, you know, I want to talk about the challenges of you know networking virtually versus in person. So obviously, you still have your locations. Um, you know, it can be a little bit more intimidating through a screen. It's not as personal. So what's what's your best advice for for that? Well, I think we've all gotten used to it. First of all. Right. Like I, I think all of us, maybe pre pandemic, uh, some of us were more or less comfortable on zoom. Um, what's nice is that we, as a society all took that leap together. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that some people really are, you know, better at zoom right now. We're all kind of going through this. We've all ended up in this position where at least most of us now who are working in these types of uh, more traditional corporate jobs are uh, are half Zoom at least. Right. And so my advice is, first of all, recognize it. I'm a huge fan of turning off video because I love a phone conversation. And I think we've all kind of just got sick of staring at each other's faces. Right. Um, one of my favorite tricks is to do five minutes on video, do a how are you, what's going on, and then just turn it off. I find I have a much better conversation with somebody when I'm lying down and resting my back because I'm so sick of being hunched over my computer. Right. Wasn't, um, wasn't that the thinking behind that app Clubhouse? Like just conversations, no video. You don't have to worry about putting on makeup. Did you get on Clubhouse when that came on? I was on Clubhouse. I, I think, you know, it was it was a great app at the time. Um, I, I do think people are very burned out of Zoom. Um, and I think what's fascinating is seeing the way that in-person networking is coming back right. and, and how so many of us, again, moved and aren't in the city. Even when I'm meeting up with people, I'm, I'm back in New York city. And when I'm trying to meet up with people, like half of my friends don't live here anymore. And so, um, I don't know if we've, if we've seen yet what the future of networking looks like, but I'm really excited for it. And it does feel changed forever. And do you guys have a corporate office where you go every day or do you work from home? Um, we have a floor in our clubhouse in New York. So our space in New York is five stories. We took a floor for our people. We're working on putting up a corporate office in New York around the corner. What we found is that a lot of our team does want to get back to the office. Really? But I don't want to mandate it because a lot of our team doesn't. Mm. And so we've implemented a work from anywhere. Um, uh, and we're just really excited to let people work the way they want to work. And so we have people who want to go into the office because they have somebody else working at home or their apartment's small. And like, they've been in the same tiny room for, you know, 80 days straight and they want to get some air and they want to see people. Yeah. We have a lot of people who are in their twenties and thirties that want to be around their friends and love the energy. Uh, but we also don't want to mandate it. And we think it's really important that people can choose the way that they work best. You know, it's interesting at my company, because I have the same policy. Um, I find that the older generation wants to come and the younger doesn't, <laughs> which is a kind of opposite. I don't know. It's a little odd. It's I so funny. My husband couldn't wait to get back to the office. He was right. like, I want to what? I want to go. Um, I love that I have the time that I spent commuting back. So I actually go in less because I feel I work better in my whole of an apartment. Um, and I save that time and that time I can use for catching up on my emails and for like seeing the kids midday. So I think, um, everybody is, I think everybody is an adult and should be entrusted to do their job without us, you know, having to monitor how, when, and why they're doing it. I love it. 
All right. So what do you feel men's responsibilities are in helping elevate women leaders or the next generation of women leaders? Oh my gosh. Nobody asks that question and it is so important. We have to remove the onus of us doing the work for ourselves. And it has to be something that we all collectively agree to. It's, it's a bit like herd immunity, mm-hmm. right? Like you just, it's not going to happen if only half of America is vaccinated. Right. Um, sorry to get political, but we really need to make sure that this is something that all of society is in line with, mm-hmm. and it can't just be women promoting women. Mm-hmm. And it, do you, it can't be. Yeah. You know, it's one of the topics that comes up a lot on She Dynasty is we talk about, you know, especially more in the corporate world where women are, they talk a lot about wanting to support each other, but it's such a, you know, sometimes it's such a so cutthroat because there's so, there's fewer positions available. And so it's hard to sometimes, you know, when you're vying for the same job, it, I think there's, it's confusing. There's a confusing message for a lot of women. You know, I've felt very blessed. Um, you know, I've met some incredible women who've helped me in my career and believe it or not, I've got like recently, you know, won some great new business accounts from other women leaders of advertising agencies who said, you know, this account's not right for me right now, but you should talk to Valerie. Um, and I'm just like blown away by the fact, by the generosity, you know? And so, um, you know, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, cause I'm sure it's at, at the core of what chief is about, about women supporting other women and how important that is. We believe that power grows when it's shared. And so I think what you're experiencing is powerful women sharing that power and making sure that we can help each other rise up. And that is absolutely paramount to what we stand for and what we believe in. But in order to see true change, we need women to bring back into their companies, uh, policies, um, uh, programs to make sure that not just women, but all marginalized, underrepresented people have an equal path to leadership. Beautiful. All right. Um, talk to me a little bit about some challenges. I mean, this is something I deal with every day, but, and it's so hard for me to articulate it to people. Challenges of being a woman in business. Well, I don't, (laughs) I don't have them anymore because chief is mostly women. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a great way to solve it. Just surround yourself with a bunch of women and all the problems go away. I've never thought of that. I will say that, um, after working mostly for men for most of my career, there is definitely a, a, a shift as I work at chief and chief absolutely has men and women. We have an incredible and diverse team, but the majority of the leaders of chief are women. And, um, I can tell you what's not a challenge, which is just knowing my kid is sick and I can't make a meeting, uh, telling somebody that I have cramps and I'm calling in cause I want to lie down and just being very honest because half of the country is, has like some sort of like, you know, uterus that they're dealing with. Um, everything that feels gendered, that is just something that a woman experiences or a caregiver experiences isn't really relevant or an issue anymore. It's just part of humanity. Um, so I'm hopeful we can get to a place where other women and other leaders of companies that are women feel the way I feel, which is comfort in owning the fact that I'm a caregiver, that I am a mom, that I have a uterus, that I took 
parental leave. And so did my husband when we had our second kid. Um, I'm hopeful for that. Beautiful. Okay. So I'm going to move into um, some rapid fire questions. So just, you know, a few word answers. Um, so I might stump you, but let's see how we do. Okay. All right. Um, if you could completely switch careers and do something totally different, not related, what would it be? Um, a writer on SNL. I love that. What is your biggest strength? Uh, the size of my hair. Just kidding. I was going to say balls, but <laughs> my, gum, my gumption. There you go. Biggest weakness. Uh, my gumption. Oh, I love it. And what skill set do you wish you had? Like for me, I wish I was better at math. Um, I wish I had better time management skills. Okay. If you could give your younger self one pointer, what would it be? Uh, don't let the man get you down. And um, what's next for Chief? Global domination. Ah, love that. You just gave me chills. And what is your actionable advice? Something, something someone can really do if they dream of somehow, you know, being where you are today. Oh, that's, um, that's a big one. So there's the easy answer, which is like, surround yourself with the right people. Um, take calculated risks. Mm -hmm. Life is about analyzing and gambling and taking the risks that make the most sense yep. and trying to time the market. And another pattern I see on She Dynasty. Part of the reason I got the courage to buy out my partners because I heard that so many times and that was one of my calculated risks. So it was a very hard decision. So Sounds like a good one though. It was, it was great. It was great. All right, last question. Um, what does success ultimately mean to you? Uh, this sounds really... It's twofold. The personal answer is being able to support my family. Um, the The less personal answer is being able to support women and seeing change in the world and knowing that I had a small role to play in that change. Awesome. Well, I think you've answered all of my questions. Uh, hopefully I'd love to take you up on your offer of maybe coming. If you come to LA, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to see. I'd love to meet you. Thank you awesome. so much for having me. This was really fun and just really interesting questions that I don't get that often. Oh, good. You know, I have, I have an incredible network of um, women executives that I, um, you know, work with and we're growing also just, just, just people on an email chain, but we, we often talk about chief versus exec, executive coaching. And, you know, some, I don't think anybody in my group is in chief, but definitely, definitely I'm going to bring it up and maybe I'll bring some folks over there with me, but I'll figure out how that process works. I was going to say, if you're interested, I don't want to like push it on you, but it is, um, it's pretty eye-opening because again, you get network, you, you get this like different perspective of coaching. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you so much, Valerie. It was great meeting you and congrats on all your success. You are like, whether you join chief or not, to me, you're a giant chief. So oh, I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully I'll meet you soon.